1: If your marriage is in trouble and you have children, then, of course, your children are affected by that trouble. It breaks our hearts. I know it does yours. Sometimes people say, well, no, no, kids are resilient. It doesn't matter. They'll be okay. And we have research done from all over the world by all kinds of organizations, universities, and more than that, that indicate, no, it will affect the kids. It doesn't mean they're doomed, but they're affected. But one of the questions we get is this, okay, right now, my spouse is not really behaving toward our children like he or she should. Can you help me with that? And that's what we'll talk about in this episode of Relationship Radio.
0: This is Relationship Radio, an extension of Marriage Helper International, hosted by renowned marriage and relationship expert, Dr. Joe Beam and CEO of Marriage Helper, Kimberly Beam Holmes. We answer your questions directly with research-based principles that you can implement immediately. Regardless of the situation, what we teach will not only make your relationships better, but will also help you to become the best version of yourself along the way. Don't forget to like, subscribe and click the bell to turn on notifications. Turn up the volume and prepare to take notes as we begin this week's episode of Relationship Radio.
2: Welcome to this episode of Relationship Radio. My name is Kimberly Beam Holmes. I am here with Dr. Joe Beam, and both of us are part of Marriage Helper. I am blessed to be the CEO of Marriage Helper. Joe, of course, founded Marriage Helper and is the reason that we are even able to exist. So thank you. Thank you
1: for what you have done. <laughs> well, thank you, Kimberly. Thank you for the fact that you're leading us to help thousands upon thousands of people every year, and we hope we can help you guys. Now, when it comes to the situation that we were just talking about, Kimberly, what are some things we'd want them to understand to begin with if, if a spouse is not being what he or she should be to the children right now because of the, of the marriage difficulties?
2: Yes, I would like to start this with talking about my, my master's work that I did, actually. So you may remember, or maybe you forgot, but I'm about to remind you that when I did my master's thesis, I did it on the effects of divorce and children. And so I actually went back and there was 25 to 50 different scholarly articles that I synthesized and put into my into my thesis and was just jaw dropping the data that's out there. And I start with that. So all of our listeners don't get disheartened. There is hope on the other side of this. But when we look at the research, we definitely see very many things to be true. Here's one of the things that's true. The best thing that a child can experience is that their parents stay together even if there is high conflict. That is in research the way that it's identified. So there's high conflict relationships and low conflict relationships. Mm -hmm. And that just goes to to speak more to the fact that conflict isn't necessarily bad. It's what you do with the conflict. Because when children are able to see the high conflict get resolved and for the relationship to to stay stable and committed, it's the best absolute best possible thing for the kids. The worst thing that can happen for the children is that the marriage divorces and the conflict is still high. So the divorce occurs and there is still high conflict between the ex-husband and the ex-wife, the mom and the dad from the child's perspective. That's the worst possible thing that a child can experience. But how often is that the case? And so there's a lot of...
1: From what we see, that happens quite a bit, doesn't it?
2: It happens. I, I don't have the statistics on it, so I don't want to throw a number out there, but I would say more than the majority of the time. Wow. There is still negative reactions. There is still what in psychology, what in... In my therapy training, it's called triangulation, which is where one or both parents try and get the child to come over to their side and to have negative feelings and sentiments towards the other spouse. So what does this look like? This looks like a mom who gets custody of the kids and she just says, you know what? Your dad is a piece of trash. He never comes around. I'm the one who's good for you. You can't trust him. Just planning those things in the kids' minds. Or when the the opposite can occur, of course, when the kids are with the dad, your mom just doesn't trust me. She doesn't want what's best for you. You know, we get it. We get it. So the question for today's episode is: How do I help my children's relationship with my spouse? Well, the first thing yeah, that we, we need ask to a do
1: question it. right here, though, and insert that. Yeah. What did they find that that would do to a child?
2: Oh my goodness. Yeah, so I don't have I, I can't speak to only the triangulation, but what I can tell you of the child experiencing this divorce and the continued conflict between the parents, here's what it does for kids. Let's just talk about their adolescence. We tend to see that children who have experienced divorce like this tend to have more juvenile delinquencies. They tend to be further behind in school, have behavioral problems, a lot of anger issues, disciplinary issues. They're more sexually promiscuous. The girls that experience their parents' divorce are more likely to experience teenage pregnancy, more likely to sleep with multiple sexual partners before they turn 18 years old. There is – and all of this is from the research. All of this is from the research. And, and
1: to reassure people, you're not saying that that has to happen to every child, but you're saying statistically
2: this increases
1: uh, dramatically.
2: That's right. And I have a hypothesis about this, which mm. I'll tell you in just a minute. No. But the uh, – and then when they turn into adults, when they start having romantic relationships of their own, start getting married, it is more statistical or more likely from the statistics that the children who experience their parents' divorce are more likely to get divorced themselves, which leads to this generational divorce. Yeah, And you can talk about it or you can think about people you know where – Everyone in their family has been divorced, their parents, their grandparents. And the reason is, and there's actually really fascinating research done by Dr. Doctor uh, Amato, A-M-A-T-O. He's done probably some of the most in-depth research into divorce and the effects on children. I'm actually over the familiar past- with
1: him. He's a great researcher.
2: He's a great researcher. And he recently said in an article, I well, I recently read the article. I don't remember when it was done, but he said that if it's the com- when the children see that the parents no longer have a commitment to marriage then that translates generation after generation after which is just further research to to show what we're trying to say yeah. here it begins to break down yeah. the other most heartbreaking part of this which i think is going to come up in later in this episode is that and it was this was from dr Amato as well that after a divorce occurs 25% of fathers will no longer see their children after the first year. Wow. 25% and it increases to I think 50% at at the 5 or 10 year mark. Really? Whew. So all of this is to say this is this is a big issue. This is a problem. Now here's my hypothesis. Here's the hope that's on the other end of the uh, on the other side of this. My hypothesis is that when a person, even an individual person, does an, goes through an intervention type workshop, like our workshop would be in the in the psycholo- psychological realm, it's considered an intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if a person goes through one of our workshops, even our solo spouse workshop, my hypothesis is that it mitigates these effects, not only on the person who might still experience divorce as a husband or as a wife, which we haven't even talked about the effects of that on right. the husband or the wife. Right. But I believe that we will actually see mitigated effects on the children because here's what we're doing. And I want our research team to study this over the next several years. Hmm. We got to figure out how to do it. But here's what I believe. Because we're teaching these these tools and these techniques in our workshop, we already know they translate to the kids. Mm-hmm. And so when this kind of intervention uh, and again, like that word might throw some people off, but this kind of just program, That's this fine. kind of program that a person goes through teaches them that and they do, and they, Teach their kids these positive relationship skills. They are mindful of how they're speaking about their spouse. They're encouraging their kids to, to still try and have a great relationship with, with the, other, the other spouse who's leaving or whatever it is. I believe that part of it in and of itself is going to mitigate these negative effects of divorce because it seems that the common thing that comes up is that the, it's, the, it's the continuation of high conflict and the negative talk about the other person it is what, I mean, of course, there's also the, the absence of the other parent, right. like kids do need two parents. Right. So we could say that's a third part. But if you're encouraging them to spend, to still have 50% of time with their, with the kids, if you're in- encouraging the kids to still have 50% of their time with their dad or with their mom, if you're encouraging positive relationships, if you're encouraging these things, my hypothesis is it has to mitigate these negative effects.
1: Totally or to some degree.
2: Well, that's what we have to research. I don't think totally. I think it's only going to be to to some degree because, of course, the most ideal thing is a child grows up with two parents. That is most ideal. But even in situations where there's a loss of a parent, like through a death, I mean, sometimes that can even be a little bit easier for a child to get through. It's still hard. But the the story a child will tell themselves when a divorce happens is, I had something to do with this. Mm-hmm. I had something to do with this. Mm-hmm. And so how do we mitigate those things? Well, there are things we can do as parents to mitigate those things, even if we're the only parent doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we'll talk about today.
1: Wow. Uh, that's a fascinating study you did, Kimberly. I knew some of those things. I didn't know all of those things. But that's mm-hmm. fascinating. So we start off then with giving you, uh, based on everything Kimberly just said, in, in our work with couples, understand that uh, the first thing to remember when you have a spouse, a husband or a wife, that's not having anything to do with your kids anymore is that you must accept the fact that you can't make your spouse be the mom or the dad that they're supposed to be. And if you try, it's, it's going to fail. Now I'm not saying you should accept the fact that they're not in their lives because you really want them there and they need to be there in a good way, but accept the fact that you can't control that. That it's going to be their decision as to whether or not. And the second thing is, and, and this was pretty clear in what Kimberly was just going through, focus on assuring your children that you love them. Mm-hmm. Just make sure that you keep doing that. And this may sound a little offbeat, but it's definitely what I believe to be true. And that is, even if your spouse is not coming to see the kids anymore, even if your spouse has nothing to do with the kids anymore, assure the kids that that parent loves them because surely, hopefully within there somewhere, there is some kind of love. And it's trying to uh, mitigate, to use Kimberly's word, kind of offset, if you can a little bit, the sense of the child feeling that, that he or she is no longer lovely or lovable. And so assure them not only of your love, but even if, if uh, mom's doing something now she shouldn't be doing, or dad's off doing something he shouldn't be doing, I know that he still loves you and cares about you. She still loves you and cares about you. And the third is if you have opportunity. Uh, help your, your spouse understand the emotions that the kids feel. Now, you've got to be careful about doing this because it can sound like you're trying to manipulate them. You need to know little Johnny's having trouble in school and and they're having to discipline him. And the goddess counselor says it's because of the fact that he he spends all day thinking about missing his dad and he gets mad and he starts acting out. If you're going to tell your husband that, it may be that you'll come across in a way where he feels you're just trying to manipulate him or make him feel guilty. And so this is not quite as simple as it sounds. But if you can help your spouse understand what the children feel. Now, if the kids themselves are honest and will tell that parent what they feel, that's the best way. But even teenagers who have the ability to do that often won't. And the reason they don't is because of the fact that they're afraid if they tell the parent they're not living with what they really feel, the hurt, the pain, then that parent may not come around anymore. So it almost becomes your job because the kids are the ideal ones, but they likely aren't going to do it to let your spouse know. But you have to figure out how to do that in a way where he or she doesn't feel manipulated. Now, Kimberly, we just gave a whole lot of information in about 15, well, actually 13 minutes there. Let's go ahead and get to our questions. We have a question from a husband and another question from a wife. We have our team members who'll be reading this question. So let's go with a husband question first.
2: Hey, you guys, my name is Jesse True, and I'm the creative services manager here at Marriage Helper, and I work on the marketing team. Uh, Dr. Joe Beam and Kimberly have asked me to read a question that was submitted to us by one of our listeners today. This husband asks, My wife doesn't think divorce will affect our kids, ages 3, 7, 9, and 10. Nightly, while the wife is gone, I have to comfort my crying seven year old who asks, Why does it have to be like this? How do I talk to my kids when my wife doesn't see their pain?
1: As we said earlier, assure your children that they are lovely and lovable. You said, what what do you mean lovely? You mean like they're handsome, they're pretty? Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily what you want to tell them. I mean, they may be handsome and pretty, but that you're lovely just as you are, and you are lovable just as you are. And in that same sense, emphasize to them that the problem that's going on between you and your spouse is not about them. As Kimberly said earlier, and we know this to be true, many children feel that somehow they were a major factor in their parents splitting up. As a matter of fact, I talked to a woman who was in her 40s a couple of years ago, and she said, I definitely felt that. I thought somehow this is my fault. So assure them, look, look, this is not about you mom and dad are having some troubles here and we hope we can fix those, but this is not about you. You are lovely and lovable. And when it comes to dealing with your spouse, trying to get your spouse more involved, realize that logic is not going to change the ways of a spouse who's focused on their own pleasures and desires right now. There can be a dad that's so focused on some other woman or a wife so focused on another man that, that they're just not thinking about their kids, and if you try to tell things about the kids, like logically they need this, they need that, the other. I remember talking to one guy, for example, Kimberly. He had left his uh, wife and his two children, and uh, one was three, and the other had just been born, if I remember correctly, something like that. And and I said, so, okay, you're leaving them. He was 30 years old, by the way, the husband. And he was leaving for a 55-year-old woman he'd become involved with which is kind of unique in the age difference. And I said, what, what's so special about her? And he said, well, the sex is amazing. It's unbelievable. I want to go have it. And I said, so you're willing to trade sexual sensations for the effect it's going to have on your daughters. He said, Oh no, 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 you don't understand. My 55 year old lover, she divorced when she was young. And she assures me that her daughter was never affected by it in any negative way at all. And, and so therefore, because she's experienced it, she's know that. And therefore my daughter's, We'll never have any ne- negative experience from this at all. To which I ask, what makes her a reliable source? I mean, do you think she might be biased? Do you think she even knows the answer to that? I mean, her her daughter may have had problems that she's never even heard of because the daughter wouldn't tell her. In other words, it's not a reliable source. And basically what he looked at, uh, it, well, we were talking on the phone, so he didn't look at me. Basically what he said is, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to be happy. My daughters are fine. Click. Logic. Logic doesn't work here when they're focused on those things. So, Kimberly, in this dad's heart, I'm having to comfort my seven-year-old who's saying, why, daddy? Why, why, why? You're not always going to be able to explain why. And be careful. Kimberly made a big point out of this. Be careful that when you are explaining the why that you don't throw your wife under the bus. That's going to have even more of a negative effect on your child. But my wife's doing terrible things. She should, I know. But right now we're talking about the welfare of your child, not your wife. And so don't throw your wife under the bus with your child. Honey, I know it hurts. It hurts me too. But you know what? We love each other and you're a wonderful young lady or young man. And he didn't say what the gender was. And it's going to be okay. Your life's going to be fine. Daddy's here and he loves you. And there are other people. Grandma loves you. grandma, loves you, et cetera, et cetera. And all those kinds of things. And so, Kimberly, they also need to, in my opinion, a husband like this needs to find a support group. You think that's wise or not? And if so, how would they find one?
2: It is wise, depending on if you find a wise support group. (sighs) There are definitely groups out there filled with just other hurting people that are stuck in their pain and their anger and that those kinds of support groups would not be helpful because they're not going to get you in the good mindset to try and see the positive and and try to do the right things. So it could be, yes, in general, yes, you, you do need to find a support group, but where do you find one? Well, we don't have a perfect solution for that right now, but we do have, we have seen this in the people that come through our solo spouse workshop. They find a sense of community with each other over the three days that they're there together, the breakout groups they experience together, and leave knowing there's other people in this boat too. And I'm not alone. And there are other people I can reach out to for connection and support and encouragement when things get hard. And so you may want to consider that as a next step going through this Solar Spouse workshop. And you can find out more about that by going to marriagehelper.com slash workshops or just click the workshops tab at the top when you go to marriagehelper.com and then click the button there that takes you to more information about the solo spouse workshop, which not only will teach you the things that you can still start doing now to try and save your marriage if possible, because if everything I said at the very beginning of this episode could be negated by actually saving your marriage, that is ideal. And so try it, do it because you're going to learn the best things you can do for the right now possibility of saving your marriage, but also because it will help you understand how to do some of these things better with your kids. Joe, we mentioned in the two episodes before before this one, uh, the one on how to get your spouse to, to talk about tough things, the one about connecting more with your spouse, getting them to talk to you. Some of those same things can be applied here with your kids. Hmm. When they're hurting, when they're coming to you, ask them questions. How are you feeling? Don't try and get, you don't have to have answers. You don't have answers. And sometimes you can't give the answers. So instead, what if you just stay curious about how they're feeling? What is it they need from you? Just redirect the conversation back to what you can control. Those are things that we teach in the workshop when it comes to the relationship with your spouse, but you can take those same principles and apply them to how to go through these things with your children as well.
1: Yeah, we've had many people tell us that. The relationship principles that you taught us and that you explained Mm -hmm. so that we understand how to actually use them have been tremendous in helping us deal with our children or helping me deal with my children. One other idea about the support group, though, if you have family nearby and if your family is not going to be throwing your spouse under the bus to the kids, (laughs) then your family can be a good support group. You see the old phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, there's some definite truth to that. And having grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles and et cetera, if they're around, if you have that available to you, I would lean on them a lot. And not only for you, but for your kids as well, but make sure they understand. Look, make sure the kids hear that they're lovely and lovable. Make sure they understand this is not their fault. And don't you say one negative thing about my spouse and my children. We're not going to cause that kind of more pain to occur. Well, Kimberly, we have another question, this time from a wife. So let's uh, have one of our team members read this to us.
2: Hey, you guys, my name is Caroline, and I work on the marketing team here at Marriage Helper. In my role, I typically work on the website and on email. Dr. Beam and Kimberly Holmes have asked me to read a question that was submitted by one of our listeners for today's episode. My husband abandoned me and my son for his affair partner when I was five months pregnant. He hasn't seen the kids for 16 months. What extra hurdles does he have to jump over to remedy his relationship with the kids when severe abandonment like this happens? You may remember that at the beginning of the episode, this was one of the the statistics I talked about how a year after divorce, 25% of fathers become absent in their kids' lives. And it is heartbreaking. That is one of the most heartbreaking statistics that I've ever read. And so the truth of the matter is he may not jump over those hurdles. He may not Come back and try and be a present part or have a great relationship with the kids. And that is incredibly difficult. That's incredibly difficult. Sometimes, and the point of this episode is not to talk about why, it's not for us to try and psychoanalyze what might be keeping him away. But the bottom line is at this point, the only thing you can do is be that present space, that present person, that steady person in your kids' lives. And they need you even more, which is hard because typically when a woman especially is in a situation like this, sometimes she's having to go back to work. And so her time is even more thin than it was to begin with, but you still have those needs of the kids. And yes, it is hard. That is why you need a support network. That's why you need people, preferably family members around to help with just childcare so that you can get from work to, to kids and the kids are still loved in the time that you're gone, if that's at all possible. And so even though it's unfair, you are mom and dad right now. You are having to play both those roles unless there is a a strong male presence. Maybe you have a brother or a grandfather that's present, like your own, your dad, the kid's grandfather. If there's some other male figure that's in your kid's life that can step in and help some here, then that, that would be great. That's a definite support system that you can lean on. But just realize you can't make him be a part of your kid's lives.
1: Now, if he does at some point come back. Will it be difficult for him to restore a relationship with kids that he abandoned? Yeah, there'll be some problems there, but it's doable and it can be done. But we right now, I just want to encourage you to think, well, actually, I appreciate you thinking about the kids. So rather than thinking about what is he going to do in the future, my focus on that. Spend your time focusing on these children. And if he comes back. Think in terms of, okay, I'm going to be considering my kids if I even consider possibility of reconciliation with you so that, you know, how are we going to repair your relationship with them? How are we going to make this work? If, God forbid, he never comes back, and at some point you decide you want to marry somebody else, then also think in terms of how this particular guy would interact with your children. In other words, can he be a good stepdad? Because these children... Are precious. And yes. and now that your husband is thinking only of himself and ignoring the children, I know it's unfair. We, we understand it's unfair. But if you're going to think about another relationship, you please don't do what he did. And ignore the children. (laughs) Make Mm -hmm. them a big part of how you do that in that decision. Well, in some future episodes down the road, we'll talk more about children. But Kimberly, that kind of wraps it up for today. What are the key points?
2: The first key takeaway is that you cannot make your spouse be a good parent. Many other times at Marriage Helper, we have said you can't control your spouse. You also can't control your spouse to be a good parent. That still applies. The second thing is that your kids need extra assurance that they are lovely and lovable. So what does it look like for you to be more of a presence right now in their lives, to ask them how they're doing, to be there for them when they need it? Because they do need you now more than ever when there's one of their parents that is out of the picture for a period of time. The third one is find a support group. So find people who are doing the right things, who have a more positive outlook that aren't just going to make you angry and vitriolic, because that is going to translate to how your children see you reacting to this situation, but also how you talk about the other parent when they're not there. And that's not what you want. You want there to be as much positivity about the, the kid's parent. As possible, because remember this, we haven't explicitly said that in that this, in this episode, but when you say negative things about the husband, if you're the wife or about the wife, if you're the husband and your kid hears that, what they're hearing is that's part of them. Mm -hmm. That's their parent. Mm -hmm. They, and so they begin to see that as maybe something you might not like about Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. So that's even more reason to really be sure that, that we are treating this well. So find a group of people who will support you and who will support you to be a great parent to your kids. And then fourth and finally, look to your future, but with your kids' future in mind. Don't just jump into a new relationship. Don't just throw everything to the wind. Even if your spouse comes back after 16 months, like the final question, be, make sure that your kids are thought of, that they're taking care of every step of the way.
1: Excellent. Very good recap. And think about uh, the fact that we continue to do relationship radio in the next program. We're going to ask questions about, well, what if you try to put things back together and it doesn't work? Actually, the phrase people often use is, what if it's a false start? We thought we were making things better, but it's not working like that. Well, we'll talk about that on the next episode of relationship radio. But think in terms of this. Amazing things can be done when people choose
0: to do them. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Relationship Radio. Please refer to the notes in the description to learn more about any resources mentioned in this episode. Please visit our website at marriagehelper.com for more information about our online courses, marriage workshops, and coaching. We exist to help save marriages and strengthen families. We look forward to interacting with you on the next episode of Relationship Radio.